There are a lot of really great names in this NHL entry-level draft, but uh, today we're talking about the best one. We've got Will Scatch here to talk all about Gleb Trikasov on today's Locked On Blue Jackets. Locked On Blue Jackets, your daily podcast on the Columbus Blue Jackets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Blue Jackets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am, as always, your host, Jay Foster, here to bring you all of the news, the stories, the trials, tribulations, the joys, the agonies of your favorite team and mine, the Columbus Blue Jackets. Today, we're going to be talking about uh, potential future Blue Jackets, though, uh, and we're going to be doing another prospect profile with Will Scouch of uh, Scouching. So uh, before I get into that, I want to thank everyone making this your first listen of the day. Lockdown Blue Jackets is free and available on all podcast platforms and also on YouTube. So uh, if you're not watching on video, then uh, maybe maybe you should be. Uh, and if you are watching on video, I appreciate you. If you're not watching on video, I also appreciate you. But uh, I appreciate you more if you're, on, if you're watching me on YouTube. So uh, do with that what you will. And uh, I will just get right into my conversation with Will. So it's getting closer and closer to the draft, and I still really have no idea who the Blue Jackets are going to take with either of their picks. Uh, and I don't know if anyone that isn't Yamakakalainen knows. So I thought, hey, let's do, let's sneak a couple more draft profiles under the wire before uh, everyone heads to Montreal in about three weeks. And so I have got a friend of the show, Will Scouch, on to uh, chat some more about uh, prospects because he is much smarter than me and knows. <laughs> more things about prospects than i do <laughs> good afternoon jay how are things i i appreciate the kind words but uh even if i don't <laughs> fully fully support them but i uh, hope i can help well i feel like i know a lot more about prospects even now than when i started doing these and uh you and many other prospect guys have been kind enough to uh use very small words to explain explain things to me but uh <laughs> good to know <laughs> I thought today we could talk about a guy who I didn't know was a real guy for quite some time and then had the, the brilliant experience of uh, introducing another Locked On host to uh, as, as who I think has the best name in this entry draft so far. Um, so I'm going to talk about Gleb Trikasov today, who I feel like you have been championing uh, quite a bit in this, uh, in this draft. Yeah, um, he's a guy who I agree. I did not really know much about coming into the year. I had seen him a little bit in the offseason. Um, really, really liked what I saw of him in the MHL last summer or last last spring into the end of the year. Um, and the more and more I watched him, the more and more he just kind of moved up my board. It's like, you know, it was the kind of practice of why don't I have this guy ranked ahead of player X? And then it's like, well, why don't I have this guy ranked ahead of player Y? And then why don't, you know, and it just kind of, Next thing you know, he's one of the top 10 guys for me in the draft. So he's an interesting one. Uh, I've watched him a lot because relative to what some people think, I feel a little insane. Like, I just feel like I really need to make absolutely sure that I know that I think I know what I'm talking about with him. So I've watched a lot of him this year. And uh, yeah, so I, I remain pretty steadfast and uh, we're getting close to crunch time and we'll see how things work out. Yeah, for sure. So uh, what what do you see when you watch off play what what should uh 
fans expect when he steps on the ice? One of the in in terms of the best one of the best offensive toolkits I think out there in terms of you know driving up this up the ice with speed with the puck on a stick really good puck control at high speed extremely good release on his wrist shot and and sense of space for empty space in the offensive zone to get one timers off can also make plays in the offensive zone. Um, just a player that plays with a lot of pace, a little unproven against better competition, but I really thought that he would have played more at the, at the men's level. He played, he started the year in the VHL, which was really impressive. I mean, he's, he's about a month away from 2023 eligibility. And for a guy that young to be playing pro hockey in Russia, even though it's not the KHL is impressive. He just wasn't really getting a ton of results. He wasn't really getting a ton of offense. I, I tracked one game of him at that level and, the only offense his team generated with him on the ice came off of his stick, which was kind of funny to me, but it was very, very limited offense. And I think that the strength and the pace of the men's league level was a little bit much for him, but he only played like seven or eight games there and then went right back to junior. And ever since he's just been shooting the lights out. So he's a guy that I think on paper right now, he's more marked by his goal scoring. You know, he scored a lot of goals this year playing for that Omsk junior team. But I think there's a playmaker there as well. He he got better and more comfortable sort of in that role as well over the course of the year. Just an all-around offensive guy that I think has a lot of the tools and the youth that gives him the runway to sort of develop into something more. And with Russian players especially, you get a really long runway to watch him develop. You know, if you, you're not really concerned if he takes three, four years to get there. But I think if you are patient and trust Omsk, Omsk, Omsk's program uh, to keep sort of challenging them and getting them higher on their list and higher on their teams, then yeah, I, I think there's a lot to like there. So just a really, really, really talented all around offensive player that I think brings a lot of different tools that I think are projectable that could really help him down the road. He's not perfect, which we can go over as well. Um, but I think he's a player that at the very least belongs in the first round. And if you belong in the first round this year in 2022, <laughs> you could go anywhere really, if you, if you ask me. So uh, yeah, we'll see what happens with him. Yeah, this is um, this is what I wanted to talk about, and I definitely want to talk about like again. I hate using the term red flags, but like mm-hmm. maybe maybe uh, things to worry about in his game. But I wanted to talk about uh, just kind of the draft in general because I was talking to Tony Ferrari about this a little bit last week, uh, and basically I want I was like, is it confirmation bias or is this draft weird in terms of I feel like and we talked about this a little bit off mic. I feel like I look at a guy and then. I'm like, oh, okay, I know where he's going to go. And then they release a new set of draft rankings and he's dropped like 20 points or he's mm-hmm. jumped up. Like, kind of Gautier kind of came out of nowhere for me. Um, I feel like Brad Lambert was ranked like the second best prospect right up until like literally until February of this year. And, and now they're like, well, maybe he won't even go in the first round. Mm-hmm. Like, what's what the heck is up with Boy, the draft this season? I, yeah, it's funny. I mean, I think I think there's a lot of... So first off, I don't think the very, very top end is as strong as prior years. So I think that you've got a bunch of guys at the top that might not be that even Matthew Benier's Owen Power level prospect, but maybe, you know, you've, you've, got, a, you've got a couple of, I would say, you know, Brant Clarks. You know, you've got a couple of Mason McTavish's maybe level guys at the top. And I, lo- I really like Mason McTavish, um, but you might just have that kind of guy at the top end this year. Um, beyond that, guys like Slavkovsky and Juracek and Nemec, you know, to me, they're good prospects, you know, but I feel like those guys maybe peter out in a team's middle six, like you know, Slavkovsky, second, third line, probably second line, Nemec, Juracek, second pair. I don't think either of those guys are likely to be top pair guys. It depends, but 
we'll see. And then it just kind of flattens out. Like usually in any given draft, there's a point where things just sort of flatten out and it's like, well, you kind of take who you want. For me last year, that was kind of around approaching 20. Like on my list, once you get to around 20, it's like, ah, like, yeah, I could see a lot of guys going around that range. And that's kind of what happened this year. That starts at like eight or something where it's like, you know, and, and the guys at the top end of that group for me are guys like Matthew Savoy, Gleb Trikazov, uh, Joaquin Kamel. And those guys to me are guys where when I see them playing really well, they could be some of the more dynamic, exciting players to come out of this draft. But there's issues with them that require development and it, and their issues specifically where if they don't come far enough, it could limit their NHL impact as a whole. Like it just might not work out for them as, you know, you draft a guy seventh overall, then you look back in 10 years and go, how did anyone have this guy seventh overall? And it's like, well, sometimes it all just doesn't come together the way you want. Um, and I mean, I also feel like, you know, I, th- I think that in the scouting community as a whole, there seems to be a lot more people involved and a lot more people really digging into the details and really sort of trying to separate one player from another. And before I feel like there might've been a lot more, you know, people trusting other people's thoughts or, or there was a lot more group think kind of dynamics out there. And then this year seemed you last year too happened as well, but this year seems a lot more, a lot of different people have a lot of different philosophies. And I think that's coming out as well. So I think that what this year's draft kind of will indicate at the end of the day is what teams are focused on what, you know, are there, are there teams that maybe have a specific sort of strategy in the draft of like the type of player they're looking for and what they think they can develop? Or is there a team that is just sort of going, I don't really care. Let's just take what we believe are the potentially highest upside guys left. Or are there going to be teams that want to play it a little more safe? And I feel like this draft, it'll really expose that kind of line of thinking. So it's a little bit weird because on the, on, I think on paper, there's a lot of players that show good talent in some areas, but other areas are, are enough of a work in progress that it might limit their NHL upside. But also I get the feeling that this is also just sort of the scouting community, maybe rationalizing the actual value you get out of an, out of an NHL draft more where it's like, you know, if this guy turns into a third round pick and I picked him or a third line player and I picked him 27th overall, like, Generally in the NHL draft, that's a good draft pick. If you get an everyday third line NHL guy that you trust and you can play in the late first round, that's pretty good. It's not great, but it's like, it's good. But, you know, at the top end of the draft, not everyone is going to score 80 points a season. Not everyone's going to score 90 points a season. You know, if you get 65 points out of a guy like Frank Nazer, I feel like you've done really well. So I feel like coming to terms with that and understanding the very, very minute details that can separate one player to another between different people that could be flipped the other way around for perfectly legitimate reasons, then I think you kind of understand why people are a little bit so, so questioning of this draft. But I think the biggest issue is that there's a large group of players that, that starts pretty quickly where it's really, really, really hard to discern between one and the other. And you get all kinds of different results based on what people think. Coming up in a minute, I've got more of my conversation with Will about Trikazov. But first, I want to tell you about uh, one of our sponsors, and this is a product I use literally every day. So I started taking AG1 because I was feeling tired all the time. I was having a lot of health issues. Uh, I wanted a supplement that was not a million different pills and vitamins. Uh, and honestly, I kind of wanted to see what the hype was about. I've been taking it for a couple of months now, and uh, I am a huge fan of AG1. Uh, I feel so much better. I have more energy. Uh, I just really look forward to, to having it every morning. So what is AG1? 
well. With one delicious scoop, you are absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. Uh, they support gut health, nervous system, immune system, energy recovery, focus, and aging. Basically, all of the things that you might want to fix about your diet, you can fix with AG1. It's lifestyle friendly. Uh, whether you're keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, AG1 is for you. And it costs you less than $3 a day. So you're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than going to Starbucks. So uh, right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with a convenient daily nutrition it's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That is it. There's no need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And to make it even easier for you, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL network. Once again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NHL network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Before we get back to uh, the episode, I have an important favor to ask you. Here at Locked On, we've put together a survey so we can learn more about listeners like you and make your favorite Locked On podcasts even better. This is your opportunity to tell us what you like and don't like about Locked On podcasts. So if you go to lockedonpodcast.com slash survey right now, uh, get started, take the survey. It's not going to take you very long. Everyone that completes a survey can qualify for a chance to win one of $1,000 Ticketmaster gift cards. So to take our audience survey, once again, that is LockedOnPodcasts.com slash survey. And uh, I appreciate your help with this. Yeah, we were, we'll get back to, to Tricks Off in just a second, because you said something there that um, I actually talked a little bit about to, in Sunday's episode. So we're recording this on Sunday, so I recorded this yes. earlier. Um, and I was doing a season review for Alexander Texier, who's a mm. player I like a lot. Um, and he has taken kind of a slow path to the to the NHL he still hasn't played a full season he's only 22 uh but he had 11 goals in 36 uh, 11 goals in 36 games this season so near enough what 24 averaged out against a full season yeah yeah Um, he was picked basically at the exact midway point of the second round and I feel like the thing that happens with Texier a lot is uh, Blue Jackets fans are like, wow, this guy is a fourth liner. Why did we waste a second round pick on him? But like, I feel like at this point, if you get a, a, even a bottom six guy or a bottom pairing guy out of the second round, like to me, that feels like a that feels like a success, and especially looking at like yeah. the 2017 draft. Yeah, and and that, and the thing that you know, I was talking to someone about this the other day, just about draft strategy in general, and. You know, I think people don't really realize how hard it is to find just guys that you can play in the draft, right? Like that really you can play, not guys that you're sort of trying out. And it's like, well, I guess we better give them a chance before we like cut them loose. It's like a guy where you're like, let's give them a go. Like they, they deserve a chance. They've, they've played well enough everywhere else. Like let's give them a long look. Um, and, and I feel like to do that outside of the first round and have it stick and land is tougher than people might think. And getting, you know, you, you, you ideally in your first round, you want a guy that will be that like for sure. Like you want, you use your first round pick, you pull them up on stage, you give them the Jersey, do the photo op. That's a guy you want in that Jersey playing in the NHL, right? In this beyond that, getting two players in every draft that can play hundreds of games in the NHL is really, really good. And I think Texas is already up close to Texier, that. Like, I think it's third or fourth in points in this for guys drafted in the second right. round. Uh, and, Comtois is ahead of him in Anaheim and uh, Jason Robinson, Jason Robertson, who I feel like is going to be one of those guys where we're like, how yeah. do you fall to the second round? The yeah. Small, but he's already basically a point per game. 
you know? Yeah. So. I mean, and so, yeah, Alex Texier's already played 123 games. Yeah. And I know the Columbus Blue Jackets are kind of like in a rebuild or whatever, but beyond, like, it doesn't really, to me, that doesn't really matter. Like, you just sort of go, okay, but like, they're, they're, I mean, it does matter, but you're, you're playing these guys. And, and I look at Texier, I've always really liked him too. I, I think that he's still sort of figuring it out. He's, he's still 22. He's got some more runway to go. But yeah, even if he peters out as a bottom six center, that plays offensively like yeah you, you know you can put him out on the power play like that that's fine if he if he belongs in that role on a playoff team which hopefully columbus will be before too long then yeah you've done really well so it is it is something to think about because i feel like a lot of you know i, I i'm never a huge fan of just saying well let's play it safe because it's rare outside the first round to land those 200 200 game guys but um but yeah, I mean, I, I think that it's something that people sort of need to refocus on and, and think about, rethink, rethink the draft. Because if you do get two of those guys in every given draft, that's an unbelievable drafting organization. Like generally you get like one, maybe two. You know, you look at the Pittsburgh Penguins and all the guys they've drafted that just they plug into their lineup and they play like 300 games in their career. And, you know, they're not phenomenal, but Pittsburgh still keeps getting to the show and keeps getting into the playoffs and everything with these guys. So... You need like you need depth at the end of the day, yeah. and like that's what the yeah that's what the draft is. I think is is depth. Like you pick your guy in the first round that hopefully is going to be you know a solid piece, a solid core piece, and then you kind of draft around that. Yeah. Um, which I guess kind of leads into uh, my like a related kind of question. So the Blue Jackets are drafting sixth and twelfth. In your opinion, like what should Blue Jackets fans be hoping for with those picks? Obviously, this is a weak draft. Yeah. But do you, like, and I would say that you want your sixth, like the, that sixth guy. Ideally, you want to project him as a top liner, a top line yeah. guy, or a top two defenseman. But twelfth is where it kind of gets a little bit wobbly. I think, like, what 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 would you want out of a twelfth overall pick? Uh, well, I mean, I think every year, you know, in that teens range, at least based on how I evaluate the draft every year, it seems like around six is you, you six is a range where you're going to get a good prospect. You know, I obviously, you know, you always want a first liner. You always want this. You always want that. But like, I look at like, I have six guys in my first two tiers that, that I think are a step ahead of this giant group that I talked about earlier, you know, and that, and that's, that's right. Cooley, Lambert, Slavkovsky, Juracek, Nemec. And if you're going to, you, you're guaranteed a shot at one of those guys. And if it's, and at six right now, it's Simone Nemec for me. And if you get him there, you've got, you know, Columbus has drafted some really good dynamic you know, defenseman that can carry the puck and move it. And I think that you can't have too many of those guys. Um, and and if Nemec can, and Nemec can be another one of those guys. You know, you've got Kuhlman's in the system already. You've got Swazil. I like him a lot more than both of those guys. Um, and I think that when you look at Columbus, it kind of adds, if, if it's Nemec, I don't think it will be, but if it is, then that's something you can work with. You get a shot at David Juracek. Like he's a little riskier because his injury, I think, you know, he had a bit of trouble in the games I saw post injury where he sort of get, you know, just wasn't up to speed and he had missed, it was clear he had missed like five months of hockey or four months of hockey or whatever. Like that's going to suck for a while, but I wouldn't be too worried based on how he plays. He's just one of these guys where I think you need development. But if he gets to the finish line, you might be looking at one of these like Mikhail Sergachev type second pair guys that, you know, might not be a 25 minute a night, you know, Norris trophy winner, but you know, a good 200 foot dude. Um, you know, you're going to get a chance at someone good. And at 12, I think all bets are off. Like someone in that top six, maybe they slip all the way to 12. I don't know. Maybe it's possible. Maybe a guy like Matthew Savoy, teams are spooked about him. And for, for reasons that, you know, are out there, 
but you know he's he might be a guy you snag at 12 and just swing for upside or if you want something more reliable someone like frank nazer or or liam ogren or uh you know another one of these sort of hard-working solid floor guys that you can work with you know maybe you got a third line guy out of that um out of those guys but there's upside for more maybe a second liner um but the, at the, in, in that in that range i guess to quickly answer your question is at 12 at 12 you kind of get these guys where there could be something more right like you set your expectations kind of refrained but you think there's there's definitely potential for more and if they hit then great um but it depends on how you want to play your cards right like especially in this year's draft you could swing for a lot of upside at 12 and just go full send or you can sort of play it really safe or you can find a kind of sit in the middle and go we accept that there's risk with this player and we think they'll still play but if they hit there'll be another there'll be probably a relatively close value to that guy we picked at six which we think we're more confident on but again it's about sort of keeping things in perspective in a minute we are going to uh finish off our conversation with will about trikasov but first i want to tell you about betonline.net it is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports information you've had all the sports developments news and odds including this year's basketball championship matchup uh, the Stanley Cup final, Major League Baseball, and of course, UFC, MMA, boxing, all of the fighting. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information, including live betting, esports, and more. I know I've been keeping an eye on the odds for who's going to be winning the Con Smythe, uh, because the current favorite is Kale McCarr, and I think that's neat. So if you want to put some money on uh, Kale McCarr, winning the Conn Smythe, or you want to pick, I don't know, Nikita Kucherov, or Andre Vasilevsky, or Nathan McKinnon. Uh, fun fact, all of those guys have less points than Conor McDavid, and he's not even in the final. So uh, again, do with that information what you will, and head to the website today, that's betonline.net, or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action, because BetOnline is where the game starts. Yeah, I feel like Kekalainen is more so than maybe any other GM a very kind of high-risk, high-reward drafter. I feel like his hits have been really good, and then his misses have been kind of a little bit. There's, <laughs> right. there's been a couple more misses than than I would I would like to I would like in a GM, but I feel like it probably balances out in the end. Um, I want to get back to uh, Trukasov for a little bit though, because yeah. he's a guy that I've kind of I haven't watched too much because it's surprisingly hard to just find the mhl to just watch um but like bits and pieces that i have seen he looks like you know like you said he's he can score goals he can he can make plays like i think he's almost dead even in terms of goals and assists on the season uh yeah 23 and 22 uh but you also talked a bit about you know you've got some not worries i guess but like there's there's some some holes in his game i guess so what would What worries you about his game? Well, I think a big reason why there's such a big spread on him, and I admitted this in the report that I made on my YouTube channel, it's, I can understand why some people are thinking he's a second, third round pick. Because some games, when you watch him, it's not there. Like, there was a couple of games I was watching him where I'm going, man, like, I know you have more in the tank. Like, I've seen it happen. Like, you, you, I think, I think he knows that he's punching below his weight class in the MHL. And just, like, his second half was a little better than his first half. But I feel like he played like a player who knew he was basically a video game character at that level. Like, 
even in the inconsistency that I saw in him in terms of just over, I, I wish I could point to specifics. A lot of it was defensive, but I feel like that got a little better over the course of the year. But just a matter of keeping your feet moving and staying active and engaged in play and anticipating the flow of play rather than sort of waiting it to come to you. And, you know, just being the the guy who is reactive. He's He, he was very reactive without the puck, but then very proactive some of the time with it. And when he's proactive, that's when he was really something. And I feel like proactive players are the ones that really drive results in the NHL because everybody's proactive. The defensive players, you have to be proactive. The offensive players, you have to be proactive. It's just all proactive. If you're reactive, you're too slow. You're just not, it's in the NHL, it's not going to work. So I always look for players that are with the puck on their stick, especially like very proactive. And at least if they're proactive there, you can bring it defensively and say, look, like you can play more with the puck if you just put in a little more without it. You know, like it, it's just a ma- you're good enough to make that happen. So with Gleb, it's also part of the reason why I would want him challenged in a men's league a little bit more because, yeah, it really felt like when on some nights you'd watch him or, or some even just isolated for the, like there was a couple of games I watched for the first two periods. My data set was like not doing a whole lot. And then the third period, they're down two one and he's just like a machine gun, you know, all day, just just transporting pucks constantly setting plays up, taking chances. And then next thing you know, it's three, two and they've won, you know? So it's like, it's, it's a very strange, he's a very strange player to watch, but we're not really in the business of who like like knocking down who is quote unquote lazy or whatever people want to use. It's like finding who the best players are and trying to help them get better. And I, I look at him and go, look, if he's a guy that's available in the second round, like we were talking before the show, he might be available at 44. Like, would I take him at 12? I could take him at 12, but but I think that if it's more likely that you could take a different player at 12 and at 44, he might still be there. You know, that's a bit of a, that's a big stretch. That's a big gamble. So maybe you could trade down from 12 if you really, really want him. But I, I, I think that if you get him in the second round, like even if he doesn't work out, the upside is worth it alone. And, you know, you give him some years in Russia to develop, uh, you know, hopefully he can learn the mis- learn through that inactivity in the men's league level where he gets ex- might get exposed a little bit more often, get exposed defensively a little more, struggle to create as much offense. It's like, well, this is, you know, learn those lessons, keep getting better and keep getting quicker and keep bringing it defensively. And then you can play more offensively. And that's kind of where, what makes him special. So we'll see how it goes. I am still a huge fan of him because he pretty much is one of, like you said, he's one of these guys offensively that can kind of do it all. And it's, you can definitely see the wheels turning in the right direction with him. But it's just a matter of some nights you see him, some days you see him, and it's just not the same player. Or some periods, it's not the same player. And you know, you, and most coaches don't like when their wingers are literally standing still in the defensive zone watching play go around. And he's been caught doing that for sure on my end. But uh, that's something that, again, like for coaches to fix. Like you kind of go to them and be like, look, here's what this player is doing. He can do better. Like we know he can do better. So I'm not so worried about that. And maybe that's why I'm so high on him because I see the talent and I see the output, and I'm going, well, even if those things improve, he, even if things, even with those shortcomings, he's still as good as he was this year, at the junior level especially. So if those things get better, then the already extraordinarily good results will almost certainly get better as well. So that's why I'm not super concerned compared to other people, but I, I understand why there's this big widespread on him. Yeah. Is it a case of, and you kind of you alluded to it a little bit there, is it a case of, he's bored playing that level it of might, hockey. Like, might, and if you put him be. in a higher league, suddenly he'd be like, oh, actually, this is worth... Not not worth my time, but I feel like you see that a lot with, like, 
guys that aren't old enough for the AHL but aren't good enough for the NHL, and so they yep. get sent back to the OHL or the WHL yep. or whatever, and they just like they tear it up, but they also look super bored all the time. You know, like I think um, yeah. Dylan Strome was a big one for me. Clearly, clearly too good for the OHL, but was it couldn't stick in the NHL, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I think that might factor in as well. Like it really surprised me that they didn't at least call him up again, you know, and give him another run at the men's league level the further along the year went. Um but I mean look, Russian Russian hockey Russian hockey teams and developing their own young players, it's a wild card. Like some teams don't really seem to mind playing young players. Other teams just refuse to do it unless they're absolutely certain that the player is a needle mover. And I mean, Gleb had some good moments in the men's league when I saw him and some, you know, moments where he looked like a 17 year old playing against 30 year olds. Um, and again, he's also very, very young. Like he's, he's pretty close to a 2023 eligible. And I look at him and I go, yeah, like I still, I, it, it, you can tell, I feel like he, I wouldn't be surprised if I was in an interview interview with him and I'd ask him like, be honest, like, we're not going to like throw you down our draft board, but be honest. Were you bored? Were you like checked out wanting to play, you know, more? You, you, he wasn't even playing that many minutes at the MHL level. Like his ice time, I think he was playing like strong second line minutes, but he wasn't playing like 20 minutes a night, like some 17 year olds that are this level in the MHL have before. Like Danila Yurov was playing quite a few minutes uh, at five on five. And Gleb just wasn't really getting those minutes. Like some nights he was playing like 10 or 11 minutes at five on five, which is not very much. So, and he's still scoring like over a point per game, which is nuts. So I don't know. I, I, I get it. I think, and again, like if I were a team, I would want him to say it himself, right? Cause it's pretty clear that he was showing some kind of inconsistency. And if it was like, if he says, no, that's just how I play, then I'm kind of concerned because I'm going, well, this probably won't work. But if he's sitting there going like, well, yeah, I played men's league hockey and then they took me and sent me back to junior and I played really, really well and I got stuck there. So I don't know. What am I supposed to do? And it's like, okay, well, sure. Fair, fair enough. I don't, I don't hundred percent like it, but fair enough. So yeah, I, I, I kind of would understand that as well. Yeah, definitely. So let's, uh, let's, let's finish off with, um, a little bit of, of speculation, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've talked before about how much you like Columbus's development system. Um, does Trikasov fit into that system? Do you think he could find a place in Columbus? Is that, a team that he could have success on do you think well i think it's interesting because columbus is one of the teams that generally i think could it could happen i'm not sold on it the only real sort of thread that i'm pulling on is that not too long ago they shocked the world and picked yegor chinikov off of the same program in the first round and you know like i'm sure i'm positive that that relationship still exists maybe maybe omsk is mad because chinikov left you know, maybe they're just like, why would we, you know, Columbus took one of our best young players. Why would we ever give them any more information ever? But I don't think, I don't know. I, I find that hard to believe. Like, you know, I, I, I mean, Chinikov could very well just go right back to Omsk in a couple of years if he's not feeling the NHL. Um, I mean, I was very surprised that Chinikov came over as quickly as he did, but never mind. Like, they're not afraid of drafting Russians. They've drafted at least one every year for the last, oh my goodness, like since... 2015 2014 was the last year they didn't draft a russian and a lot of their russians are playing in the nhl like gavrikov chinikov they drafted vitaly abramov but we don't talk about him much uh daniel tarasov is on his way to the nhl and he's played in the nhl so they're not afraid of russians and they're not afraid afraid to play them so i think it's possible 
Um, and I know that Yarmo is not afraid to think outside the box a little bit. And to some people, thinking outside the box means Gleb Trikazov. But I don't think it's that far outside the box. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think they're a team that comes to mind. The only other one that I can really feel relatively confident in saying maybe about is Toronto just because they have a lot of players that they've brought over from Omsk in that program, and they've, they've been going back and forth quite a lot. Um, and they deal with the agent that represents Trikazov quite a bit, uh, who represents a lot of Russian players that Toronto's brought over. So we'll see. Um, but I, I think I think it's possible. I'd say I'd put I'd be more comfortable putting money on him landing in Columbus than a lot of other teams in the NHL, even if it's at 44, if it's not, if it's not at 12, six, I may be, might be a little high, but 12, 12 is around where I'd go. Yeah. You know what? Take the chance. Let's see what happens. Yeah. I feel like especially, and this is something that I was talking to uh, Tony about this as well is this, the blue jackets, once they've picked 12, that'll be their fifth first round pick over the last two years. And I feel like, especially in a draft like this, like, get get weird. Get crazy with it. You know, we've seen <laughs> yeah. that Kekalainen clearly has a list that no one else has. Because I wish, I like, when they drafted Chinakov, I feel like we've talked about this before. I was like, who's this guy? I threw, I done a ton of research on um, Hendrix Lapierre, because I assumed mm. that's who they were going to pick. And then I just threw it all out the window. So if there was anyone who was like, yeah, we're going to take, we're going to take Trickazov at six. And what? It would be... It would be Kekalainen. I wouldn't. I very much would not be surprised if uh, yeah, if they did the Chinikov thing. And, and I'd pass him. out. <laughs> I'd pass out. I'd love it. I'd I'd absolutely love it. It'd be hilarious. Um, I am gonna hit, and that's kind of all I've got for you today. Uh, tomorrow we're going to be continuing our prospect week. Uh, we've got another conversation with uh, Will Scouch about uh, Owen Pickering, who is a WHL defenseman out of Swift Current. And uh, we're also going to talk goalies because there's no goalies in this draft. Or there's no first-round goalies, I think. Uh, And I thought that was weird. So I asked Will why. So some Pickering talk, some general WHL talk, and most importantly, some goalie talk is all coming up tomorrow on Locked on Blue Jackets. And uh, I've been Jay Foster. You can find me on Twitter at underscore Jacob Foster, J-A-K-O-B-F-O-R-S-T-E-R. If you're watching on YouTube, it's down here at the bottom of the screen. And uh, you can find Locked on Blue Jackets on Twitter as well at LO underscore Blue Jackets. If you have comments, questions, criticisms, you can email me at LockedOnBlueJackets at gmail.com. And uh, thank you once again for making this your first listen of the day, every day. Locked on Blue Jackets continues to be free and available on all podcast platforms. And uh, my dog is making a noise behind me. So uh, we're going to sign the episode off there. Until tomorrow, make sure you stay locked on.